Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, hopefully by now, Perception Israeli. It's your faithful host, David. And I'm excited to welcome back a repeat guest, everybody's favorite Corey in the whole wide world, Corey Smirk, joining us back from fresh from another Spartan race, right, Corey? This one was the North American Obstacle Course Racing Championships. Oh, of course. It's a championship. I mean, I don't know why I... <laughs> of course it was, because everybody knows because they followed you from the last time you were on. Right, they that right. was a championship, <laughs> and it was just my faux pas. But I do know that you were at the podium with your team. Yeah, it was. That was actually an amazing moment because uh, both of the guys I ran with are just way better than me on paper, but they're good buddies. So they roped me in, and uh, I was able to pull my weight, and we ended up second in the pro division at Noram. Nice, congrats. That's no small feat. I mean, I saw some of the footage because um, people people on the podcast, and you know that like when I meet a guest for the first time, I like did not know anything. But since we've yeah. become friends, I've been able to stalk you. And I saw the one the one post I liked was you on like a monkey bar type um, apparatus, and like of course because it's a cruel obstacle course, um, the monkey bar or some of the bars gave way. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's how that works sometimes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a true trooper, you did, didn't phase you, and you carried on, and still managed to get the second place B. Like it. Yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Um, so, but that's not why we're here today, but I could sit here for an hour and fluff your feathers if you want. It's not difficult for me to do. Uh, let's get in. Remarkable the person. All right, so everybody, um, normally I don't like to know the topic. Uh, but true to my promise, I've not really done lots of preparation on this, but it's, this is a repeat. Um, well, not really a repeat. It's a continuation of our discussion that we started on perception as reality. And Corey was that person that had the discussion with me. And in that discussion, we learned that Corey, um, has bipolarism. Is that the right word? Yeah. Bipolar disorder or manic depressive as, you know, more commonly known sometimes. Really? Bipolar is the same as manic depressive? That is exactly what it is, yep. I did not know that. See, kids were learning already. Um, I thought manic depressive was something else. I thought that they were two separate things. Uh, they're, they're essentially uh, components of each other. And if you don't already know, there are actually different components to bipolar disorder. And, you know, different, um, I guess, one and two, just, just like diabetes has different styles. Yes, uh, this is one of those things that has different types as well. Well... That's what we're here to learn because you brought it up in, in the original episode and I was, of course, eager beaver and was like, that would be something I would love to talk about. And you are uh, true to yourself and willing to share and open up with the audience about uh, bipolar, being bipolar and what that really means. And I'm sure that there's quite a few misperceptions or misconceptions. I actually want to use the word stigma. Um, that are just probably just wrong about this. Um, do I call it an, is it an illness? Like what's it called? I don't even know. I don't, I know that little about it. Can you, can you enlighten me? Characterize it a little bit more as a disorder versus a disorder. disease. 
or an ailment. So it's not essentially anything that can be cured. It's just your biology. It's how you were made. So that's why they uh, call it more of a disorder. Okay. See these, see, I know that words matter and I wanted to get it right. Totally. Uh, I appreciate that. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think what I've learned from doing this podcast is that words do matter. And that's one of the things that I've learned talking from the various people, the guests is that when it really boils down to the way things are phrased and you can quickly phrase something innocently but it has such a negative connotation and then that just spirals and then that becomes a truth. And then people always believe that. And that's what we're here to dispel on this podcast is those things and really talk about the truth of the matter. Absolutely. Um, Having an enlightened discussion about it versus just kind of arguing viewpoints, you know? Yeah. You know, I would really like somebody to come on and argue with me. I haven't had the chance to actually debate with anybody because really I spend most of the time just learning, which is really what I want to do is I want to learn about my guests and their things. But I mean, I, I have strong opinions on topics. I would love for somebody to come on and just let's debate. That would be fun. I mean, I would do it. I promise. Who was ever listening? Find somebody who just like, uh, all right, just imagine something you're extremely passionate about and just find somebody that's the opposite and be like, yeah. Hey, let's hash it out. You know, seriously, I, I, I would love that opportunity, but we're not here to talk about that or me, me uh, fishing for guests. We're here to talk about this. So can you start at the beginning? I really need the basics on this because my exposure to this disorder is literally, quite literally, movie and TV based. Oh, and <laughs> that's always the worst. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and I know at least I yeah. like to, I, I, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've spoken to me in the past but I like to perceive that I understand I've taken enough psychology courses in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of my, de- one of my degrees is that I understand that that's not true. So I don't, that's again, part of the reason for the podcast. I know that there are people out there who look at Sheldon Cooper, the actor, they don't even know his name. They're just like, oh, he's Sheldon Cooper. And then he does these other commercials. Well, there's a real person there who's really nothing like Sheldon. He's just a remarkable actor. Right. Um, and, and so on and so forth is like, that's a common thing with actors is they get associated with their character. They get pigeonholed. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. So I, at least just the Robin Williams uh, really quickly. I mean, every oh, character sure. is just this overly passionate individual because that's kind of who he was. You know, he did have a few roles that were not like that, and mm-hmm. they were bombs. People did not want to see him be a serious actor. Yep. And that's a darn shame because um, I've seen him in Waiting for Godot, and he was remarkable in Waiting for Godot. I'm not familiar with that one. I can't not remember what the names of it at all, but I was much younger when I saw it. It was about uh, paintings and how he was sort of in the paintings. Oh, that was the one. Yes. So. He that was a serious role where I was like, okay, like he's different, but I can totally understand how people would just pigeonhole him into this like excitable guy. That's the one where his wife dies before him and then he dies. And then in that movie, heaven, your heaven, heaven is created out of each individual's perception of heaven. So it matches when you get there. And his, I would love version, that. his version of heaven his wife was a painter. So his version of heaven was quite literally painted with oil paints and pastels and everything was just photorealistic, but they painted it because that's what his heaven was based on her. Yeah, and then cool. it was 
the movie's about him. I'm sorry, I'm totally taking your time here, but you. Oh, no worries. I love so, this. I love this. So his the whole movie is about him finding her. He he's desperate to find her in heaven. And then I won't give the rest away because he does find her and, you know, he has to go through his own truths and deal with his own demons and stuff. But yeah, but Waiting for Godot is it's a movie about these three guys and they're waiting for this guy named Godot to come by. They're basically imagine like a bus stop. I'm not going to give it away too much and I'm going to oversimplify it. So anybody that's listening, that's a fan. I, I'm, I'm just being brief because I want to get to Corey and um, bipolar uh, and the disorder. So but waiting for Godot is they're waiting for this guy to come and it's just very philosophical and very like self self exploratory. Um, and Godot is actually God. They're waiting for God. And it's this, this serious discussion about waiting for Godot. And um, in the, um, in the one that I saw with Robin Williams, there's two other comedians. I can't think of their names um, off the top of my head. They're not quite as famous as Robin, but they are famous comedians. So I apologize to them if they ever listen to this. I really sincerely apologize, but I wasn't prepared to talk about this. Yeah. Please don't get mad. I still like you. Trust me. I could recognize your face. Um, <laughs> and once I look it up after this, I will kill myself. Well, not really kill myself. I will, I will uh, metaphorically be angry with myself for not knowing who you were. But anyway, so Corey, that's a good one. If you want to see Robin Williams really shine in a serious role look up waiting for Godot. also it's pretty i appreciate it yeah. pretty good um anyway side note so my sister <laughs> my older sister my eldest sister um was very excited that she got tickets to go see waiting waiting for Godot at uh, a local theater not the one with robin williams but it was a local show but she didn't know what it was about and if you don't know what it's about when you go, it's literally just three guys on stage basically soliloquying the whole time. It'll surprise it, the heck out of you, huh? Not, it's a total shock and surprise. And it is boring as heck if you don't know what you're getting into. You have to come mentally prepared for something like that. She wasn't prepared. She was like, oh, my God, it was the most boring thing ever. And that's only because she wasn't prepared for right. it. But it was, it was, it's, I still make fun of her for that. But anyway, Corey, please start me at the beginning because – that's all I know about is how the negatively depiction of people with this disorder are on TV. And if they're positively depicted in some way, I haven't been fortunate enough to see in that show episode or movie. Right. Um, just starting with the basic and I can only imagine your first experience with uh, seeing somebody on TV was like, Oh, they're really moody today. They must be bipolar. You know, just one of those one-off comments and just to dispel any sort of like daily moodiness, that's not bipolar disorder. What that concept literally is, is called your lability. It's your mood or energy at a given time or a given moment. Now, bipolar disorder is over given periods of time, not a day. That just has to do with hormones and moodiness, and that's something completely different. So that's kind of my first dispel is lability or just general mood versus bipolar disorder in general, which is completely different and takes place over periods of time. So, you know, understanding the difference is really huge before people kind of go around saying like, oh, you're really bipolar today. That's just not a thing. You either are or aren't, if you will. <clears throat> so one thing, and I'm just going to jump in and, and I'm not, I, I just, I don't want to do what I did to you just a few minutes ago and just <laughs> rattle on forever. But um, one thing that bothers me about life, and this is just a David side point, is that things become... Um, 
how do I want to phrase this? So like, oh, you must, like you said, oh, you must be bipolar today or you must be whatever. Like things become so generalized that, uh, oh, yeah. oh, like there was a thing like, oh, he's so gay. Uh, you know, yeah, like that yeah. was a thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And it just because like, I feel like that's demeaning to everybody. It's an odd normality that we sort of live with and accept. Yeah, but I don't like when people do that. But anyway, that's just a me thing. So please carry on. So, so we've got, uh, there's a couple things that I just learned. So yeah. I learned a new word, lability. Uh, I don't know how to spell it, but I wrote it down. I'm going to look it up later. I feel like I need to research the hell out of that because it's what I do. I like to research stuff after we talk. Because um, yeah. if I researched it before, I wouldn't be learning anything. <laughs> Precisely. And we wouldn't have this great discussion. Well, I mean, great is relative, but I appreciate your enthusiasm. I like where your head's at. Appreciate um, and so bipolar takes over time, but you also mentioned something about um, hormones and something else. Yeah, so uh, essentially just breaking down hormone regulation in your body, just very simple things like getting enough vitamin D. And we all know the amazing hormone, what is it? I don't even know if it's a hormone, dopamine, serotonin, mm -hmm. all the yeah regulatory horm hormones that are coursing through your body are aren't always quite uh, level in a person with bipolar disorder. So, uh, you know, things that are most commonly prescribed, um, lithium, it's just something that's been in water for millennia. And uh, in Eastern medicine, people just drink it out of streams. It's supposed to sort of neutralize your central nervous system to not have those peaks and valleys, essentially in behavior that a person with bipolar disorder would uh, normally exhibit pretty crazy no it, it is and i i want to say that i know my dad takes lithium and he has several heart problems which is why i won the genetic lottery and inherited all of those and more um <laughs> yeah. i developed i was like thanks dad but i'll see your super ventricular tachycardia and i'm gonna add on murmurs mm -hmm. ventricular tachycardia and other stuff that i don't want to name so uh, that should help regulate in theory yeah so lithium so he takes lithium um and it does it helps regulate things so that also helps Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas previously, other medication medications I've taken, just imagine every zombifying medication, Klonopin, uh, Wellbutrin, and they not only did they neutralize me, they like I wasn't able to feel happy. You know, I was just like, all right, cool. It got rid of like my lows, but it got rid of all my highs too. Like just the natural enjoying life. I just couldn't be as happy as much as I'd like. So that's where lithium was kind of a good equalizer in the fact that like the doctor's like, hey, it's natural. And I was like, I like that. Let's go with that. No, that would be, that would, that, so I get, I, I get that. I like it too, because I talked about this on a different episode is that, um, I think on the episode with, with Taylor because about happiness and that is that happiness is an unattainable goal that you shouldn't really want to be happy all the time because happy is the other end of the spectrum. Um, and I forget what she said. I don't, I don't think it was the word depression, but sadness or, or something. I totally agree with that sentiment, by the way. And, and that it's really what we really wanted to strive for is just contentment with what we, what we are, who we are, what we have, because yeah. If you're happy, there's nowhere to go but down. Yes, it's like an it's an elation feeling. You're 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 literally kind of like high up there. There's no neutralizer to that emotion other than down. Right, and she also said something um, that was um, 
something we agree. Well, I said, I like to say the new normal. That's my favorite thing in the world. Well, not my favorite thing, but um, one of the things I like to say a lot is, you know, it's your new normal. And if you're happy all the time, that becomes your new normal. That's your yardstick. And it's harder to achieve yep. that happiness. And it's something that I think you could give a good analogy on because you, I would say that you're an extreme I want to say the word elite athlete because of what you do and what I've seen you do, but you, I'm, I have a feeling you're too humble for that. And you'll argue with me just from, I no, definitely you, will, but I'm a um, amateur. <laughs> see, I, I knew you would say that, but once you attain a certain level, it's hard to stay at that level. And it's, it's, there's nowhere really to go except down. So that's yeah. why I, I tell people, you don't want to be happy all the time. But for you, being on those zombification drugs, which is a good word to call them. Because that's what they do, for sure. You, I mean, they take away your lows, which, you know, nobody wants to be sad but or, or depressed or, or any angry, any low feeling. Because low feeling isn't just depression. It's not. It, it's anger. It's low. It, oh, it, it's, yep. the, it's sadness. It's the whole spectrum. Exactly. There's There's lots of feelings that fall below the line and there's some that fall above the line uh, uh, above the line like you could say happiness or joy um there's a few more that i'm sure we could come up with but i think euphoria yeah all that contentment is really what we're at and it's basically just neutral and there's nothing wrong with that people i just need you to know if you're if you can look around at the end of the day and you're just content you're like you know i've got like me i've got a great wife i've got great kids i've got two dogs one of which is a puppy that's new since you and i have spoken and that's kind awesome. of a thorn in my side but <laughs> the cutest little thorn in my side but i'm content i'm good so i'm glad you're not a zombie because i can hear it and i, and I would i'd be I sad if you were that. yeah i appreciate that so talk to me about that how 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 do people get out of zombie mode like i is that a trap like i'm perceiving this oh, in my head it's like that's a trap so it's it's so funny you say that because like I I 100% view it as a trap in the way that so I mean to, to make a long story short I've been admitted before I'm sure we'll we'll get into that in the future but in seeking help for those things and like the suggestions that you get while you're in the hospital I mean you go right onto those medications and you don't have a choice so at that point when you're admitted you're basically a product of the state and you cannot do anything and you don't have any rights. So I'm in there and if I don't take my medication, I know I'm not leaving in the next three days. So it's like in that moment, you're like, all right, so I guess if I do want to get out of here, they say this makes me better. They're forcing me to take it and I have to. Well, I mean, it's my choice whether I take it when I get out, but like, holy crap, in that moment, you're like, huh, this is kind of made for you to stay on it. Oh, that's weird. Am I going to be taking this from months from now? And you just think about all those things and how basically you have no choice in that moment. And then the withdrawal, I imagine when you go off of it, there's withdrawal, but I want to talk about the the trap because I mean, I've been admitted to the hospital many, many times, but it's never been, it's always been for my heart. Um, I consider myself a frequent flyer. Uh, I have a card and everything and I get mileage bonuses, but um, you know, I tease about that, but I feel like it's true. Uh, But it's, it's never been for something like this. And when I get admitted, there are certain things that I have control over. Right. Um, because I have a, you know, I, 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 well, I mean, we're here to get personal, right? So, I mean, I have my DNR. I have all sorts of living wills and things like that in place that protect me and my choices. 
do you not have those same protections? So not really. The only thing that helps me in moments like that are having very uh, serious previous discussions with my mother, which basically if anything goes wrong, she can make those decisions for me and like help back me up. If I was like, Hey, no, I'm pretty with it. And she could basically be my confidant and go, yeah, Hey, he's pretty with it right now. We should maybe choose this route of care. She's honestly like, she's a friggin' angel because without her, I think I'd be way worse off and I'd have stayed longer nights at places and you know I, I just wouldn't be having a, a good time and I wouldn't be the person I am right now well hopefully she listens to this episode and can hear that but I have a feeling getting to know you over the last few weeks um, which really has almost just so everybody knows I feel like I know Corey but it's really only been like four hours worth of conversation over the past two podcasts <laughs> but really good deep enough. conversation yeah but I mean Yes, I'll agree that your mom's an angel. I have no doubt in my mind. As a parent, there's really, when people understand, like there's really nothing we wouldn't do for our children. Um, and I really believe that she's in, in your corner. I mean, I would definitely be in my kids' corners if, if, if they needed me. They haven't really needed me yet, but uh, I mean, they're 20. They're not much younger than you. They're 23 and 20 now. Right on. So... But I mean, I get, I, from her standpoint, I would do the same thing for you. Um, oh, yeah. She's taking the time to get educated and things with me. And it's just, it's been helpful basically having a partner in crime with it. So she understands. She's seen me go through it all. That's obviously my rock. Well, at least you have, you have that, which is great. What would your advice be to people who may not have uh, oh, such a supportive parent? Like, so that gets really tough. And uh, because uh, having done my research, like a lot of um, people who are homeless either have like schizophrenia, bipolar, things that basically kind of keep them that way. But in when you seek help, you need a great team and a great community because it's, it's honestly really hard to trust another person that has the disorder itself. So you can imagine, like, if you're going to these meetings, which, you know, after I was admitted a few times, I wanted to see what these were all about. And uh, I guess it sort of goes back to, is this a, a trap too? Uh, I was in, like, these meetings with, uh, you know, former heroin users and addicts, and I'm like, I don't understand why I'm here, but this is what the doctors suggest that I come for which I'm like, how am I going to develop good friendship, good community? And how am I going to grow out of this if I don't have people that even perceive this the same way? So again, back to perception is reality. Like I was sitting in a room going, wow, I need to leave. None of this is helpful to me, you know? So it's, 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 it's a tough battle, especially when you don't have a support system. My heart goes out to those people. So why were you there with drug users? Did they abuse the drugs as a way to self-medicate? Or I think that's kind of what it was. So they're okay. like weaning themselves off. I never really understood the whole like. I didn't even understand why there was a, a a combined group. But yeah, I definitely remember sitting in group therapy, and the one guy's like, "Yeah, I do crack. I don't plan on getting off it. So you know, thank you for paying for my time here." And I'm just like, "Oh, that was weird." Yeah, yeah, that that goes on. I think on the awkward scale, that's probably a solid 9.2, 9.5. Yeah. 
and there's your trap. Like you, you're trying to do better for yourself. Right. And you think you're in the right place. You were like, honestly, the lady in the, uh, when I was admitted in the hospital was like, you're going to love this place. You know, the standard, uh, social worker sales pitch of you'll be great. And I thought that was fantastic until I actually got there. And then I was like, uh, can I please see the head doctor and have a rational conversation? Cause I, I don't believe the people in that room were capable of it. And just like, you know, I, it was just weird overall. Weird scenario. Yeah, like I kind of want to hear more about that. Like I'm very curious because I don't know why you would have a combined group of people who are addicted to drugs. Because I'm thinking to my conversation with Nick, um, who was on addiction, and my conversation with you you're you're both um awesome people really i mean you've come through a lot you guys have come on the other side and you're both succeeding and doing awesome things with your lives which is great but i don't see you two in the same support group right right and and that odd to think that we'd be in the same place talking about the same things because we have completely different perceptions well i mean talking to Nick and, and learning about this disorder with you, I don't see how the two treatments would align because right. he talked a lot about in his episode about his treatments and his, his, um, <coughs> his admitted uh, and, and things like that. It's everything like you're describing, but I, I, in my wildest dreams, I would have never thought until you said that, that those two paths could have crossed. Yep. And it's in those moments where like, that's where having my mom as a confidant was fantastic. Cause I sort of look at her and I go like, Hey, like, do you think this is right? Like, you know what I'm going through? Like I, you know, I sort of let her know how my day was and the topics that were covered. And she's like, nah, that's, that's not what the lady said in the hospital. Uh, you know what I mean? So I've gotten way better care just having a, a therapist and seeing a therapist once a week versus trying any sort of, group therapy because although it's good to know that other people are going through it having a, a therapist to sort of self-check you and they get to know you and they get to know your moods and ups and downs that's better for you than basically like people that are telling you oh yeah yeah you're doing great you, you know you're fine <laughs> you know that's not the type of friend you need in that moment you need somebody that's gonna you know basically hear your bs and go hey man that's not okay or, hey, here's how you grow out of that situation. That's what I really was seeking. Is that why you used uh, um, the, the words that you used were like, you can't, how did you phrase it? Um, let me rewind in my head. Something about trust. You can't trust other people with, with the disorder? Or like, how did you phrase that? So essentially, like, uh, this is just a, a fun little tip that my therapist uh, gave me. And this is something that anybody with sort of a, a mental disorder can take from have a person in your life that knows you, that knows the ups and downs that you're going through, so that they can check your behavior. And of course, sometimes you'll have more energy than not, sometimes you'll be more sad, but at least they know that that's part of your behavior and that it's normal to go through those ups and downs. When you have a person that who has a similar disorder, they won't necessarily confide in you the same way, although they understand. They'll be like, you know, if they're manic, they'll be like, oh, it's okay, everything's gonna be all right. Or if somebody's depressive, they might take a more depressive tone towards you 
and anybody with bipolar disorder probably knows we're kind of empathetic individuals. That's tough to take on, especially a person who's going through the same stuff. It's just probably better off that they have a support system outside of somebody experiencing the same thing, in my experience. Does that, how do I want, and, and I'm reaching, I'm grasping at straws here, but does, is what you're describing kind of like a, uh, how do I want to describe it? Like a self-fulfilling spiral, like because they're not calling, they don't know you and they're just being, and I'm using air quotes, supportive and then, but you're empathetic and then they're going through it. So you're supportive, but neither one of you are helping the other. That's yeah, that's kind of what it's like. I, I, I like, I know this is kind of movie stereotypical stuff right here, but I imagine like when people get out of an AA meeting and they go get a drink, that's what I imagine a conversation between like when people know the others bipolar, that's what I imagine the conversation being like, you're going to rock it. You're going to be great. All right, man. Cool. Or if they're feeling depressed, the complete opposite end. And it just kind of is what it is. You know what I mean? It, it never really grows from that, but I think in the reflection from it more so than the actual interaction. Got it. So the conversation is equivalent to the drink that the people who might be suffering from alcoholism addiction might have. They go to a meeting and then they're like, eh, let's go get a drink. You know, one won't hurt us. You, so what you're saying is like that that's conversation. How I see it, precisely. Okay. That's, that's totally how I see it. Yep. Okay. okay. I'd rather have somebody uh, that I know is sober all the time, if you will, in mm-hmm. this matter. That I could just be like, hey, am I, am I like, am I drunk right now? <laughs> you know, am I okay? Like, and that person usually will, will give me the, uh, the confidence and say the A-OK or like, no, you, you know, you tell me you haven't been sleeping and I see you haven't been eating much. You're probably manic. And then I'll be like, you know what? You're right. Sometimes it hits you like that. You don't even know you are. You're just in that mode. And yeah, it's good to have that, that self-checker. I think that's, and I may be wrong, but I'm equivalent. I'm equating this to like how I said about the new normal. So you've been through this pattern. So to you, it's not really all that foreign. So is it hard to see because it's not that foreign? And that's when you're like your, your mom or somebody else is like, Hey, Corey, you're not eating and sleeping. And you're like, Oh, damn it. I'm not. Is that what you're saying? In a sense, yep. Uh, as I've grown with it, I'm getting better and better at self-checking myself for sure. Yep. But it takes a while. Like anything, like you'll have a few sleepless sleepless nights before you're like, ah, oh, that probably wasn't the coffee I had this morning. You know, you know, you're like, ah, oh, something's maybe a little different with me recently. And uh, yeah, being able to self check is definitely a skill that takes a lot of time and experience because you never know. It could just be the stress you're going through. We always want to put it on things that aren't ourselves, right? We always want to find an excuse. So when you actually have to go, ah, oh, crap. It's just how I am. I think there's, I think that's a lot more empowering than saying something like, oh, I'm just energetic from the coffee or I'm just depressed because, you know, something bad happened in the news. When you dig a little bit deeper, you actually realize you're, you're just different. Okay. It's so going back, I just need to clear this up in my head. So we talked earlier about how lithium is like the equalizer. So is this disorder caused by that hormonal imbalance? It is, was it hormonal? Did we say hormones? Am I saying the right word? Yep. Okay. So is that the, the actual causation of the disorder is the, is the body's inability to produce or to process 
or maybe overproduce or underproduce these hormones? I believe that's the, the main reasoning, yes. And then because of that, the lithium kind of kicks in because it helps with the, the, the basic stimulation of the central nervous system. Basically helps your, your neurons fire you know, at a, a more concise rate and more consistently. Okay, so I wanted to make that point because, and I'm, you know, you're going to have to forgive me because I know words matter, but I wanted to make that point because I want everybody who's listening who might have some assumptions in their head that we just talked about the cause. So this doesn't mean that anybody who has disorder is, air quote, crazy. I mean, there's a reason for it. There's treatment for it. They're not crazy. We've got Corey on who I can guarantee is saner than <laughs> several people I know. Well, that's true. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm judging my own friends that way, uh, you know, and I know that they listen and, and they love me anyway, but they all know they're nuts. Um, <laughs> right on. They do question, everybody, if people, they do some questionable things. I'm just saying. I won't get into it. Maybe and I'll do an episode of like why David's friends do questionable things. But that sounds like a fun episode. Maybe maybe I'll get a panel and I'll line them all up and I'll be like, hey, um, why just follow that goldfish live? That's that happened on TV. That was not a real thing. I'm just saying, like, you know, whatever. So I just wanted to make that PSA. Corey, if I did a bad job, please finish the PSA. Oh, do it the do it the right way. Do the oh. PSA the right way, please. You did it phenomenally, man. I, I like your explanation because it's coming from a, a viewpoint of just having learned it. So I like hearing you sum it up that way. All right. So what I would like to thank you, by the way, I don't mean to say all right to be dismissive. I truly right. I, I think so, it's great. But I just had an idea because you know how this works. I get an idea and we go down the rabbit hole. So what I would like to do, rapid fire, give me some things off the top of your head that people get wrong or that you've seen on TV that you're just like, you roll your eyes. And have you ever seen that meme with, with uh, Captain Picard? Do you know who Captain Picard is? Are you old enough to know Star Trek Next Generation? So I'm not. Hey, Dios mio. So there, there's a, a meme of Captain Picard. So it's Star Trek. You've probably seen the dorky uniforms. You at least know what that is, right? I'll Google it really quickly while I'm sitting here. Okay. Uh, Google Captain Picard meme. And there's a meme of him on the bridge of the Star Trek. And he's got an angry look on his face. And he's holding his right arm up. It's the second thing down on Google, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, yeah. um, yeah, and usually it's, it's him saying, why the F? And then people fill in the bottom with it. Yeah. So, and, and, and I want you to rapid fire the Captain Picard, your Captain Picard moments. You see the look on his face now, right? You, you get uh, he's on the bridge. He's got that look and his arm is holding up, right? And he's in his red uniform or something. Yep. Okay, good. Like a so, what the heck look on his face? Yes, yes. So please, can you rapid fire some, some things that have given you the what the heck face, Captain Picard face over the years? That let's, can you rapid fire some of those? Yeah, uh, I, I just want to rehash the uh, the lability thing. I yeah. cannot stand when people are like, oh, you're, you're so bipolar with your with your moods today. Just, no, maybe they're just having a bad day. It's okay to be happy and be elated. But honestly, just get to know a person and how they're feeling for the day before you say things like that. Because it's, it's just growing and growing the insensitivity I have towards people that just kind of flippantly throw around, around words like that. So boom, number one. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, number two. Uh, I'd say about passion. 
So when I'm passionate about something and I want to find other individuals that are just as passionate, when I get the look of like, who the heck is this guy? Almost essentially how Captain Picard looks, you know, but in return, like, why does he have so much energy? Why does he care so much about things? I almost get annoyed when people cannot understand that. Almost like they've never been happy themselves or understood elation or understood like actually loving or caring about something more than themselves. That's one of those things too. Um, let's see. There's really not uh, anything else that like really throws me off about bipolar. I think the, the, the um, excuse me, the lability thing is what annoys me the most. Yeah, I would, I, I, I can see that because that's like the number one thing. Um, and People I think, it. yeah, and that's, that I can see because that's, that's like what we talked about. And I use the gay reference because people say that all the time, oh, you're so gay or she's so gay or that's so gay or everything's so gay. People don't say that as much anymore, but that was like really. Oh, that was definitely a thing I said as a child, for sure. That and the, uh, the other F word. I'm like, I used to just throw that around. Now I'm like, that's, that's mean. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, it makes me cringe now. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to say that I wasn't guilty of that too, but now that I'm older and wiser and I know better, I don't do these things. Right. That's the whole um, purpose of learning. Um, and I can see how an extension of the liability thing has uh, played all those stereotypes in movies and TV and, and things. Um, oh, you know what? Can I add one really quickly? Totally, dude. It's your time. It's when um, people already understand you have bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. and then you're in a, quote, mood, when in reality, it's no different than anybody else around you. But then, you know what they'll say? Oh, you must be in one of those bipolar moods or something like that. And that's just one of those things that like, okay, you got me, you know that I have bipolar disorder, but please don't use it as a scapegoat for my behavior when it's not irrational, it's still logical, it's within the realm of, you know, reason. And I just hate when people toss that out there just to kind of say it to dig at you. It's like, would I rather keep it secret and just, you know, or I, I find it more freeing when I can explain to somebody that that's who I am. And I feel like it makes me a more lovable. It makes me experience life maybe a little bit more extreme than others. And it just makes me who I am. So when people use that against me, it's kind of a bummer. So I get it. I mean, I don't have the same experience as you, however, and this is why I've shied away from, and I even still like cringe when I talk about my own heart problems. Yeah. Um, because the minute I mention it, the minute it comes out of my mouth or somebody finds out about it, I get treated differently instantaneously. Yep. Yep. Do they baby you? Do they try to be like, oh, you, you, everything okay? Is it, or, you it's, know, how does that, how does that make you feel? In some cases, it's, it, there's a little bit of babying. In some cases, it's, it's, I wouldn't say, I would say fragile. Um, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. fragile. So, um, it's, it's more like that I'm some, I'm fragile. Right. And it's not, I, it's not necessarily babying. It's just that I'm fragile. Um, and that obviously I can't do things that a healthy person can do air quote, healthy person can do. Right. Um, I will say though, and I hope this happens for you as I'm aging now that I've hit the ripe old age of 47, 
people my age now are starting to have health problems are kicking in. And a lot of them are realizing that their hearts aren't very healthy either. Um, Through a lifetime of abuse or whatever, and I'm saying abuse, could mostly I'm talking about food abuse, could Mm -hmm. be alcoholism, could be anything, could be type 1 diabetes, could be whatever. Heart, heart, their hearts are suffering. They're having heart attacks. Um, I did not have a heart attack. Um, I've, I've had a relatively healthy lifestyle. I mean, I've gained weight. I've lost weight. I've not had a, a completely healthy lifestyle, but, um, well, it seems like you are now. So that's awesome. Well, you know, people don't understand this about me either is that weight gain is the number one side effect of all of my heart medications. I'm constantly struggling against the heart medications. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible battle. Um, but you know, and I imagine uh, based on like, you know, what, what's wrong with, you know, your, your heart problems, uh, you're probably taking things that are like beta blockers and they slow your heart rate down, which probably makes it exponentially harder. Oh, dude, my heart is typically, um, if 52, 49 to 52. On a oh day. yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. When I'm out, for yeah. sure. When I'm out um, exercise, when I'm out exercising, air quotes, like I, I, I ride my bike. I ride a bike. So when I'm out with friends, we're on a group ride or whatever, um, my extremities will go numb. My feet, hands, they will go numb because I can't pump blood fast enough. Yeah. I'll get dizzy. I get floaters, you know, I mean, so then I get, you know, I'm, I'm kind of perpetuating the like, Oh, David's fragile thing. I'm really not. I mean, when I'm talking about this, I'm riding my bike at an average of 18 miles per hour. That's not too bad. Um, and we're going 25 to 50 miles. So, I mean, again, that's not too bad. Most people can't even do five, let alone right. five miles at eight, 18 miles per hour. I dare you try it. Oh, um, dude, that's rough. I, I, I don't, heard like 14. I don't, I don't dare you. Cause I'm pretty sure that you could do that if you really wanted to but um so i'm see i'm making this about me again don't let me do this Corey. stop i I love it no so i'm saying that i understand when people find out they i i get it Mm. so what um happens to you i told you a little bit about what happens to me when people find out like expand more about when people find out about you because you you're braver than me oh i know what i was saying so i'm hoping that when you're my age that over time people have more of a tolerance because they're now starting to experience the same thing and there's more of an acceptance and there's less of a fragility. Now that I'm shifting to the other side of life, there's actually, when people find out that I've been dealing with this since I was 23. Okay. And then when they find out what really happened, because I'm not going to go into it, but I mean, when they find out everything that I've gone through and I really open up, they're like, damn, it's a miracle you're still alive, which it is. I mean, right. not gonna lie, it is a a miracle that I'm still breathing air. Um, yeah. But uh, there's more of a talent, and I sincerely hope that through podcasts like this and through time, that that tolerance will be yours. I appreciate that. Yeah. So tell me more about like let, go on a Corey soliloquy, please. Help me out here and and tell me. <laughs> pick anything talk about the lability thing more but really i wanted to like well how do people treat you and how do you wish they would treat you once they find out so just the tre- open about it the treatment's uh it's just a, a little bit different because obviously you know it's like once people understand things change in terms of 
is everything okay? You know, like a person that doesn't actually know me, like obviously not a self checker, like my mother, like she, she just knows, you know, like people are a little bit more like they dance around you per se, you know, uh, I'm, I'm extremely passionate and because it's hard to maintain friendships with people who maybe don't exhibit those same qualities or, you know, I feel like I'm not getting that energy reciprocated. Like, uh, it, it just kind of like, you, you feel like you're being taken from, I know that sounds like, so like not humble or, or anything, but it just, you want somebody that can sort of match you instead of like feeling like you're being taken from in that aspect. So I think I've been hard on myself in sort of like being very picky about friends, but at the same time, I think that's why I'm happy now is I'm giving my time to people who actually appreciate my time. And that goes with family too. If somebody isn't worth my time or doesn't understand my perspective, I don't feel it necessary to give them my time anymore. And I think that comes with adulthood, just kind of, uh, not giving a crap essentially i mean that in a in a good way you know and focusing more on yourself than uh other people i think that's sort of the lesson i've learned from all of this absolutely one of my favorite books and is the subtle art of not giving an f yes i i have that one as well people should read that do you know uh, do you remember the author off the top of your head i want to give him full credit i don't i do not uh, i'm not near the i mean i kind of am do you want to can you i got you yep all right cool your Google foo is stronger than mine. <laughs> Mark Manson. There we go. So people, that's a good book. You should read it. Um, basically, I'm going to sum it up and say that we only have so many apps to give. You should really spend them wisely. Um, yes. Because if you just give an F about everything, you're going to just be drained all the time. And I, I feel like I, I used to say this, and it's, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, is that I, I've always said this for a long time is the key to happiness in life is low expectations. Oh, isn't that the truth for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I really do believe that's the truth. So talk to me more about, I want to know about this. Oh, so I know what I was going to ask you. Um, the one thing that kind of annoys me with what you said about number three and not you, but like people, oh, no. People yeah. that, that, you know, like it, I'm annoyed on your behalf and you can tell me if this is annoying or not, but yeah. so because you've opened up and you've talked about that you have bipolar disorder uh, and people who don't really know you think you're in an air quote mood. Like, I feel like they're, I'm angry at that because it, it sets me off because it's like you're, because you're bipolar, you're not allowed to have moods at all. Uh, see, you hit the nail on the head. So like, when am I allowed to feel what you, what that person wants me to feel? If I'm happy, I come off as too happy. If I'm sad, I'm too sad. And that's where people take it further, where they misperceive how I feel based on essentially how they want to perceive me uh, because of their preconceived notions of the disorder. Right. So they're kind of viewing you with a magnifying glass. So you're normally, you're, you're normal, happy, or you're normal. I'm using air quotes because everybody's normal is different, right? But your, your normal, happy, or your normal, sad, or your normal, whatever is magnified because they perceive that with this magnification lens. Oh yeah. And I think I, I have a tendency to be judged a lot more and people are more hypercritical with me because of that. 
they sort of see like, and I've heard this before for sure in overheard conversations, it just seems like a really normal dude. But then they find out like I'm bipolar and then they all of a sudden their mood changes towards me. And I'm like, I'm still a normal dude. I'm still me. Why does that one little tidbit of information change one iota of how you feel towards me? Like utilize the the face-to-face conversation, chat with me. Don't like have weird conversations behind my back. Get to know me. You know, and that's kind of the challenge when I tell people is like, all right, so you know this about me, so get to know me. Or if they've already known you and then they didn't know, does that change things? Ah, no, that's a totally crazy different concept, right? It usually doesn't if people have known me for a long time. They're just like, you're just Corey, and that's how I've known you. So how do other people in your shoes, if they're listening, get their emotions back, take control of their emotions from these people with the magnifying glasses, because we all go through loss in life. Mm -hmm. So we all have joys. We all have things that cause, you know, you might be envious, you might be whatever. I feel like the smallest emotion is magnified. um, And even the most stupid, like uh, jealousy or something, I don't know, like, you know, we all get jealous or envious of something like, you know, your new friend just got that awesome um, Fisker sports car, the electric Fisker sports car. Do you know what that is? Am I? Yeah, I do know what a Fisker is. It doesn't there even make noise when you start it. Exactly. So um, amazing. no, no offense to all the Tesla addicts out there, but Fisker's where it's at. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, we're all a little envious, but you're not and i'm being i'm generalizing but you're not allowed to be envious because you you're obviously you have bipolar disorder you're not allowed to do that you have to be i think people i must be super jealous right you know what i mean oh like you're you're a little bit of that emotion you must be all of it and that's kind of what i experience the light bulb just went off above my head so really what people expect you to be is the zombie on the drugs essentially and if i'm not i'm just the the bipolar guy you know you're just too much you know so it's they basically once people know it because they have such a terrible preconception of what it is they essentially think about it as the two poles of just happy and sad okay so if anybody from college humor or saturday night live is listening i want you to create a character (laughs) called bipolar guy now oh Um, that would be hilarious Corey is available to star in the role (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't know Honestly, it yet but he's be hilarious to see people poking fun actor right so here here's my vision of this character so this character has is like you normal dude just happens to have bipolar disorder but it's the the humor comes in from the reactions the overreactions from the other people around oh yeah like that misconstrue like oh you're bipolar oh my god like <laughs> right like you know there could be a scene like Somebody could be whispering, somebody hide all the knives or, you know, like, does he have a gun or, you know, just stupid, like totally outlandish, just stupid stuff. Because like, I think that would be funny. Am I wrong? Did I just. I'd watch it. I I like, because it's, it's a more accurate portrayal of what it'd be like. Yeah. Yes. Cause the character with the bipolar disorder is just sitting there like, uh, like a normal human being, like you all are. And just is kind of like watching the chaos unfold and like everybody panicking um i think that would be funny to be like uh, i'm almost guys. picturing it like a bubble above their heads like the the friend <laughs> bipolar guy like 
perceiving how he's taking it versus like he's really just sitting there just relaxing or something like that like that yeah 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 that would be funny yeah yeah i can see that i can see the thought bubbles and like in the actors voices you know like saying Mm -hmm. their thoughts and then their facial expressions to each other trying to have the unsaid conversations right yeah for sure exactly (laughs) really going on inside their head oh all right well if they don't do it you should get some of your pals together and do it because I think that's a viral video right there. I think, yeah, that sounds hilarious to me. Um, So I want to see whoever's listening. (laughs) Right. Seriously. Yeah. Um, I had a question about the mobility thing and I think, I I think that just tied it in is because um, I think that ties into what, what we were just talking about because you aren't allowed to have, normal emotions like everybody else that that is a part of daily life but it's not a part of the bipolar disorder that we just talked about and learned about that you emote you know why because you're human less i mean unless do you bleed green i don't know do you is this a thing Uh, what's bleed green i don't know just because it's not normal i mean oh right (laughs) yeah are you from a planet that rhymes with schmipton i just didn't know like, uh, you know what? I want to go back to your uh, Captain Picard, like, what the heck moments, because mm-hmm. um, I remember, I think this was around 2016, uh, the Cavs were in the finals, and there was this big article on Kevin Love, and Kevin Love has been very open about his uh, mental uh, health, but here's the deal. I read the article. My boy just had a panic attack, and although I feel for him, I cannot believe the amount of like love and adoration that people were like, Oh my God, he's opening up about a panic attack. I'm like, wow. So this is what people perceive as, you know, like mental illness. Like I'm, I'm both happy that like it was a light was shown on it. Like he was struggling through the finals and like, he was like trying to be happy, but he was kind of depressed or something along those lines. But I'm like, wow, that's a story. Imagine if people really understood bipolar disorder. Like if they really understood that it's like, man, you're going through these crazy highs and lows that you literally can't control. So you might as well, you know, find something to do with your energy versus an anxiety attack. So, you know, I'm glad that uh, light was shine. Just, it was kind of funky that it was for something I, I perceive as much less severe, but people kind of rope in as the same thing sometimes. Yeah. That's different. Is it not? I mean, yeah. That's our, I mean, I know I have friends that have had panic attacks and I, they're severe when they're in them. Absolutely. I've had them myself for sure. But definitely not the same mm-hmm. as uh, bipolar disorder, but it is good to talk about it. I mean, at least people are being, I like now that people are being more open about this because I don't think, I think there's a perception about normalcy and i think people when they open their eyes they're shocked to realize that normal there's there's no normal right there there is what is normal there is no normal there is statistical evidence that shows certain traits are more evident but does that mean that's normal yeah you know what i i think i sort of have a pin on what that word means these days i think it's 
it's immediate environment, you know, like whatever that is to anybody, it's whatever they're ingesting, whatever, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, bubble they're in at the moment, that's their quote normal. If they ride motorcycles, it's normal to them, this and that, that attitude that goes along with it, that's what they perceive as normal. I, you know what, it's just totally different depending on the individual, but you never know until you actually open up and have that conversation with them. Right. I, I, for example, I just talked to somebody about um, the joys and, and it's actually my least listened to episode, which shows how much people like cycling. But we talked about our a cycling habit. And, uh, you know, it's completely normal for me to put on like her spandex and get out on a road bike and ride for 50 miles. That's 25 to 50 miles. That's yeah, completely fine for me. That's gnarly. Um. I'm not going to lie. It was very weird for the first little while getting used to, to uh, you feel very exposed when you're in an outfit like that, but. Oh yeah. I, I, I like to run up and down the mountains in spandex myself. So I totally get it. Well, what people don't understand. And, and again, you know, there's a couple things that people don't understand about cycling. One is that when you do a poll with people, people view cyclists as less than human. They equate, cyclists on the road uh to the equivalency of a cockroach i i I, you know what cleveland we have a great park and i see people mistreating the cyclists all the time and they don't know how to pass them they don't know how to communicate with them it's kind of a problem Uh, yes um i agree and and i'm not dismissing some fellow cyclists like i have fellow cyclists that will run stoplights and stop signs and uh, it's rare in our circle here in Texas because we're in Houston specifically, we're like the Iron Man. I, I, this is a total fabrication, but I feel like we're the Iron Man capital. Um, one of the champ, the championship is in Kona, but there's, uh, another championship here and there's, it's just a, a being an Iron Man is like a, a big thing here. Oh yeah. Um, it's cool. But even still, people roll coal and they do whatever. But I just want to say that if you don't cycle in those stupid Lycra spandex shorts, if you stand up, sit down, try to get off, your shorts get caught on the horn of the saddle and you fall. If you have the the tighter Lycra or spandex shorts, because if you notice even mountain bikers, they just wear different shorts, but they're still tight, they're a little looser. It's all about not getting caught on the horn of your bike and falling and looking like an idiot. But anyway, I digress. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you and... That's hilarious. So that's, again, it's the new normal. So my new normal is it's socially acceptable to be in my Lycra spandex. And, you know, do I think I look good in it? I just want to go for the right. No, but it's. You're just trying to be comfy. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I, I get a bitter pedic on that. But did we cover things that you wanted to cover i mean i totally took a lot of your time today absolutely i think we had a great discussion um i think one thing that we missed that might be worth noting is the types of bipolar yes please talk about it go Um, there are essentially only two uh bipolar one is what i have um and actually it's funny the thing i was reading says previously known as manic depressive disorder so i guess that's just an old term for it Hmm. um it's a, uh, you have to have had a hypermanic episode or a hospitalization. Whereas the big difference is if you have bipolar two, you have hypomanias and you experience them more frequently. 
just maybe an elevated mood. So you can imagine a person with bipolar one, they can go into long depressive states and then come out of them in these basically extreme manias where you can experience delusions of grandeur. You essentially want to conquer the world. Like I can do this. I can do that. I want to go run a marathon. That's, I know how to basically control those moods now. Whereas a person with bipolar two, they might not have a clue that they're experiencing a hypomania and uh, a person that's a self checker would be extremely beneficial for a person like that. Those are basically the two big differences. So I'm going to need you to pretend that David is in elementary school and really just dumb it down even more for me. Of course. So to dumb it down in simple terms, a person with bipolar one experiences probably, uh, not probably, does experience uh, larger lability swings. The Imagine it like a spectrum. If we have a neutral line in the middle of a graph, happy is on top of that in a higher line, sad is the lower line below that neutral, a person with bipolar one can have higher peaks and valleys. Whereas a person with bipolar two won't have as extreme of higher peaks and valleys but more frequent. So the sinus wave is yes, higher. Yep. In bipolar one, the sinus waves are higher and wider. And in bipolar two, the sinus waves are smaller, but more frequent. Essentially. Yep. Okay. That yep. helped. That, that, that helped. I mean, I kind of got it before, but I just wanted to to really fully understand. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because like even on that spectrum, you can imagine people that might experience more depression than they do mania or, you know, vice versa. And that's where it's really hard for doctors because the person that might just be hypermanic might be perceived as schizophrenic or a person that's just going through their, maybe a bipolar two person going through a hypomania or a, a hyper, sorry, getting my words mixed up just a hypodepressive state and it's just like they're kind of just sad they might just be given like antidepressants and the doctor doesn't have the full scope of what's going on with them so it's it's kind of hard to diagnose because you have to have a good relationship with your physician so can you just i meant to ask you this before because you mentioned it but what is schizophrenia because that's i feel like it's another word that people use like oh you're bipolar today or oh so yep you're so today like what what is that yeah so it, it's a disorder that affects uh how a person thinks feels behaves basically experiences sensations around them in the world and they can essentially have way more specific delusions of grandeur. Whereas a person with bipolar disorder, they know a person's not really talking to them. It's just their subconscious and they're having thoughts and those thoughts run away. A schizophrenic person may actually be having those thoughts of I am God or, you know, I'm sure you've sort of heard stories of people that talk to themselves or, mm -hmm. you know, they have weird facial expressions when they emote or they seem like they're just kind of not with it. They might be talking to the space next to you, but not you. It's kind of like social withdrawal. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That, that helps. Yeah. Um, you know, we're learning, we're learning our vocabulary today. I mean, the one where I had never heard lability before, but I've heard the, uh, some of the other words, but I want to make sure that we understand because as we learned, words matter. Oh, that um, was such a fun word when I first learned it. I just used it over and over again. I'm like, this is what people need to know, lability. 
Yeah, I'm probably going to use it at least 20 times this week. Right. Um, it's my new 25 cent college word that I'm going to throw around. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, so what else did we did we not cover or what else should we because David took most of your time to <laughs> quit it quit it um like what what else did should should we talk more about um you know what I, I cannot remember what we were talking about specifically but it made me think about the desensitization of bipolar disorder versus maybe other things mm -hmm. and I wanted to relate it to my recent travel to uh oh it was about giving your energy to everybody your emotion from the book from the subtle art of not giving an F. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I wanted to relate why I think that is just so pivotal. Pivotal because when I was traveling, um, I just recently went to New York just to meet up with a buddy, just to kind of hang out, create content, you know, shoot the shit essentially. And uh, I, you know, it's overwhelming how much uh, the the homeless population is just kind of out there and just on the street, and you kind of have to just like walk around them, and that's it's okay because that's just kind of how that culture is. But then I related it to Cleveland and how I don't see as much, but like essentially the one guy I do see a day getting off the highway, it makes me like really get sad. But when I was in New York, I couldn't feel that way because there were so many and it was such a, a, a big problem there that you're just like, if I feel this way, I'm giving all of my energy to everybody but myself and the people I'd rather give it to. So I'm like, wow, traveling really helps you kind of reframe your perspective in the fact that if you go around trying to help everybody or trying to experience everything, you're never going to actually have a sole focus on the one thing that sets yourself on fire. Whatever your passion is, you have to give 100% focus to that versus letting your emotions, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, be leached from your brain by others by thinking you need to care about something that's not even your responsibility. So that was a huge lesson for me to learn in person. As soon as I came home, I'm like, I just need to care more about myself. Not, not give a crap about others, but care more about myself. So there's a couple things there if we unpack that. So there's, there's a term that I like to use. Um, there's a lot of vampires in the world, uh, not physical blood-sucking vampires, but there's vampires in the world. This is one of them that you're talking about. Because it drains your energy, there's, I, I like to talk about um, emotional vampires when I'm talking with uh, some of my co coaching clients or, or some career counseling clients. Um, I don't know really if I can really call them clients because like, yeah, I think I've mentioned this, I don't really charge for any, any of my services yeah. because I like to do it. I like to help people. So yeah. anyway, um, those vampires, they're out there and it's good that you've realized that. I mean, we don't, we're not saying, and I want anybody that's listening, like if you are passionate about helping the homeless, we're not saying, Corey's not saying that he stopped giving a crap about homeless people. What he's saying right. <laughs> right. Corey can't help every homeless person that he sees there. He's leaving that up to those of you that that is your passion in life. And we wish you absolutely, absolutely the best. Corey's got other things that he needs to spend more attention on. And in this case, it's himself because he's got his own disorder to deal with and his own. So um, yeah, I just want to be clear. That's what Corey's saying. He's not saying that homeless people are something that he steps over and he doesn't care about anymore. It's that he's learned that there's a large homeless population 
that is beyond his means to help. He does. He still cares. I'm sure he will donate money, but he's, that's not. I I volunteer my time at the food bank here in Cleveland pretty often. Right. So I just wanted to be clear about that. I got what you were saying and other people probably did too, but I just felt like I needed to clarify that. I don't know why because I'm overprotective mode. I don't know, whatever. Thank you, Um, man. But uh, I do talk about the vampires, and there are they are out there, and it, it's it's being able to recognize them and and how to move on um, from them. So that's good that you were able to recognize that in 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 and of yourself, and and to know um, to know that it, it's important that other people recognize those things. It's okay to love yourself more than other people. It really is. It, 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 like true love starts with yourself first. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to give your best version to anyone else? That's, well, it starts with that. That came up with um, my favorite super mom uh, on a previous podcast. And she said that you can't pour from an empty cup. So yep. Yep, that's imagine we all have a cup, right? And it's, it can only hold so much uh, and fill it with whatever you want in your head. You can fill it with liquid, water, love. You can fill it with whatever ethereal or physical substance you want. But you can only pour from a full cup because once you've poured out whatever's in that cup, you've got no more to give. Your well is dry. Gone. So what Corey is saying, in your own cup. exactly, you have to. And it's okay. This is what I need people to understand. This does not make you selfish right self-care is not equivalent or congruent to selfish preach man exactly self-care is important because if you don't take take care of yourself nobody else is going to number one if you don't take care of yourself you will not be able to pour and help others in the way that you want. So in her example, Jessica, the super mom, who I'm hoping to get back on the show because she's about to be in a beauty pageant. I want to talk to her about that. That's cool. Um, And she grew up as being the gobby one, she said, and and that's a bad British term, like, you know, talky or whatever. And and now she's in a beauty pageant. So I really want to talk to her about that. But her point was as, as a mom, as a super mom, um, and a mom for those of us in the United States, mom forever, you know, for my friends in, in, the United Kingdom, but uh, as a, as a mother, or as a father, as a parent, just let's just say as a parent, you have these this tiny human being that is dependent on you for everything, and you cannot give that tiny human being, and this is just one example, what that person needs if you're filling from an empty cup. It's okay for you to take a moment out, to take a time out yourself, to center, to get your energy back. Because you can't, once you've spent it, it's gone. Right. And that's when you get angry at a child who is, you know, the, in the we're going to go to a stereotype. In the cartoons, there's the kid who's like, um, always asked, why, 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 why? Okay. Or the seagulls from whatever, mine, mine, or Stewie. Mommy, 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 mommy. Yeah. Like, I love that. I love the episode with Stewie on Family Guy where he's just like, and she's just like, dude, I, just, I love that one. <laughs> but anyway, so you can't, you can't do that. So that's just one example. And that's what Corey's saying. It's okay to take care of yourself, to fill your cup up, so that therefore when you have a full cup, you have 
enough to give. You know what? I'm going to change that up just a little bit. It's not only okay, it's absolutely necessary for any sort of growth and next level thinking and achieving your goals. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and I agree with what you said. I'm only saying it in a way to give people permission and I want them to give themselves permission. That's why I chose to use the word okay, but you're absolutely right. I want to be clear. It is necessary. Take the time to work out. Take the time to, when you're out, take the time to read the menu to find the healthiest item on there. Don't just order the burger, not the burgers. Just a little mindfulness goes a long way. Exactly. And it's okay to just those moments allow yourself them anyway so Corey, what else do we got come on what is there anything else that we need to talk about more or you were like you know really wanted to talk about this um to that same effect to what you just said i think people are scared to be themselves because they're scared to be vulnerable i think vulnerability is the key to all of this if we're willing to be flawed in essence and we're willing to be at home with who we are with our with our center with our north star whatever that may be I think we're just likable, like way more likable human beings that way. Like you don't feel like you're hiding anything. It's easier to be liked. It's easier to respect others and have an open mind. I just think vulnerability is a key to all of this that it like quit pretending like you're perfect people, you know, just uh, admit your faults and we can grow from there. It's a beautiful thing, really. So we've, I actually talked about that. There's a whole episode I have on that um, with Linda. Um, who I need to get back on the show. Linda, Linda, if you're listening, I haven't forgot about you. I want you to be back on the show. Please contact me. Um, but she talked about Brene Brown. Uh, shout out to Brene Brown, fellow Houstonian. What? Yep. Um, she's got a TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. Okay. If you haven't watched that, Corey, it's one of the things that I, I made. Really put my, in Google so I can watch it tomorrow. Exactly. It's one of, there's two videos. <clears throat> Actually, there's more than two, but I'm going to mention two. There's two videos that I make. Um, anybody who comes to me for coaching or mentoring, mentoring, watch. One is the Brene Brown video, The Power of Vulnerability. The other one is the last lecture with Randy Pausch. Okay. Both are good. But in this context, uh, Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability, exactly what you just said. And her TED Talk, it's a TED Talk, is just, it's incredible. Um, Awesome. And I think, let me just click on this one. How many downloads? Like it's multiple millions. Um, 42,920,753 views. Dang. Brene Brown, spelled B-R-E-N-E. And the color brown, the power of vulnerability. Watch it. Um, but it she agrees with everything you just said. So it's nice. Um, I think you'll enjoy that one. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, because there is power in it. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, I just wanted to learn and I'm, I'm feeling a sense of guilt because I've done a lot of talking more than I wanted to this episode. Uh, so. You definitely didn't. I think it was great back and forth and I really appreciate you giving me a platform to just kind of like, go back and forth and get an opinion of, you know, maybe some preconceived notions people have had before and sort of dispel those myths. Well, that's what we're here to do is dispel the myths and learn. Heck yeah. Uh, I've learned a lot and I'm glad that you were able to, to dispel 
some of what you've identified as the common misperceptions. Hopefully we've hit them all. Um, yeah. I think we definitely did. I, I, if there were any other, I for sure would be on the tip of my tongue. We, we covered them. Well, one thing that I do um, want to ask before we part ways is, and, and I kind of asked you this before, so I don't know if we fully covered it, but people don't have the support system we talked about a little bit, but is there, so I guess it's a double-sided, double, not double-sided, double-pronged question. Double -edged sword. <laughs> Everything <laughs> in life is a double-edged sword, two sides yeah. of the same coin. Um, how can they, if they don't have support, where can they get it? Because we talked a lot about the group is necessarily a thing. So I think you might have said just find a counselor who can understand you. But in yes. general, um, I kind of think. So it's depending on your health care, you might actually be able to seek uh, free counselors. I know that's how it is in Ohio. There's, there's plenty of places you can go to talk to somebody, uh, at least for the day for free. And uh, like I said, depending on your health care, you know, and what level of income you have, you might actually be able to have a person that you go see every week. And, uh, you know, for a person with uh, BPD, it's essentially a, a necessity to have somebody that you just checks in on you. How are you doing? How's your lability? How's everything going? Are you able to keep everything, you know, uh, uh, together or are you an emotional mess and are you bleeding all the emotions everywhere? That's very important for a, a person experiencing that that doesn't have anybody to talk to about it. That's just having a, somebody who understands is so important. Thank you. And the yeah. second part of the question is how can people with BPD, that's what we're calling it now because yeah. we're, we're, we're on the acronym level now that we've gone yeah. through a whole hour. How can they deal with the Picard moments? Because I feel like you've done a good job of maturing and dealing with them as they come up and, and how can other people deal with them as they're happening? Because I feel like that would be infuriating uh, when you're in a Picard moment, not to literally just shout out, you know, what the heck or to just retreat inward. So that's an extremely interesting question because I've reflected on that you know, very feeling and question for a long time. And honestly, what it's become now is I sort of smile and laugh on the inside. I, I just have completely understood and, and kind of get just how society is and just how people are so quick to judge and how information spreads these days that I'm just not surprised. And I, I think that's a good mentality to have because if I let all of those moments get to me that I experience you know, on the daily, it, it would just, I would just be unhappy. You know, I, I'd let the Picard moment happen and be like, what the F? Like, for real, you feel that way? Do I try to correct you? Eh, do you really even care to be corrected? And I just think that, honestly, remaining kind of willfully ignorant, you know, when people do that, I just kind of let them be. So it's kind of like goes back to the orange covered book that we've mentioned already. Um, exactly. The subtle yeah. art of not giving an F. Interesting. Okay, I like it. No, yeah. I hope that that that, that helps. Um, it's definitely a skill for sure, because that stuff can, you know, if you're feeling emotional for a day, you're feeling like, you know, everything's kind of intense. That stuff can easily seep into your your mentality and kind of ruin a day. But it's being strong enough to to not give a crap. Yeah. 
no for real especially like you know when you're just so sick of hearing something and you're you know to use a buzzword nowadays you're triggered and you're just like it's spent and you're just like i've heard that for like nine million times yeah that's gonna be very difficult um and yeah. again i'm equating my experiences with my issues uh, uh differently but um i hear you for sure fortunately for me old age is uh the great equalizer in these kind of things um, <laughs> right wisdom Oh, no, I just mean everybody else is getting ill now, too. So. <laughs> yeah, and the awareness of knowing that, too, is for sure. Exactly. You know, it's, it's people, when they experience it themselves, have a much more, they're much more tolerant. And then, so, like, I feel like there's this tolerance wheel. Um, right. And tolerance is different than acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're tolerant of somebody, you know, like, if I just met you, you know, I, I tolerate you, but like, if I'm your friend, I tolerate more. Right. Absolutely. And then if like, as a family member, your mom, she tolerates a lot more. And, and, and then your mom is actually in the acceptance wheel. So she right. moves from tolerance to acceptance because she's accepted you. She's accepted, you know, there's these things. This is my own. I've been thinking a lot about tolerance and acceptance lately. And this is some kind of thing that's forming in David's head right now. And I'm, this is the first time I've tried to verbalize it, but I've okay. been thinking, I've been, I've been canoodling it. Okay. Um, and you're hearing it now. So um, what I've noticed is that people now that they're experiencing similar things with their parents, there's a certain level of tolerance slash slight acceptance. They've moved into like where tolerance and acceptance overlap. They're not as hard on you about the same things anymore. They're yeah. not, they're not as judgy. Yeah. Right. And then you move inside the, what are those Venn diagrams where they overlap? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they move inside the acceptance when it's personal and they've had the experience. Yeah. And then they've like, oh, well, yeah, you know, like they get it. Like there's this aha moment on the acceptance side, but. Right. I don't know. I'll write it down someday and write a paper on it. It finally happens with people, you know, it, to that same aspect. Uh, I can imagine that most people out there have somebody related to them, have a friend that experiences, you know, some sort of uh, disorder or mental illness and they don't even know. Exactly. So, they don't know. You know, it's just and what we're saying is what it is. Yeah. What we're saying is when you find out, don't be a jerk. I mean, yep. seriously. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> Continue to treat that person the exact same way you've always treated them. How about that? Exactly. What I was going to say is like, when you find out, don't react. Honestly, just don't react. Try and not to react. So funny you said that because I've had people that I tell and they're like, huh, okay. And I'm like, sweet, we're cool. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's the best thing you could you Exactly. Could you just treat me the same. Exactly. Acknowledge it. I, I, I don't want the, by when I say don't react, I don't mean don't acknowledge it. What I mean is don't, I'm going to quote, you know, I'm going to go back into our movies for, as an example, like don't be the person that throws themselves on the casket and is just crying like crazy. And is, you know, I'm using a stupid uh, example, but you know, just, just acknowledge it and be like, Oh, okay. Right. And I think that's the best reaction you can ever get. <laughs> but just 
don't be like, oh, damn, bro. I would have never guessed, or I would have, like, <laughs> you, seem, you seem so normal, dude. Yeah. You know? Or the other one is, oh, uh, it, it totally makes sense now. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, God, yes. That, it's got to be horrible. Yeah. That's dude, funny. I knew it this whole time. Oh, my God. I would. How do you not hit somebody? Right. You're like, all right, then I'm glad you said something, and I'm glad I know you really well. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right? It kind of makes you question your friendships when people pull crap like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate our, our time together. Uh, and I hope we covered, I, and I, right, I'm going to assume that we t covered everything because I've asked you like 20 times now. So I, I think, think so, man. This was I think a great we have. Yeah. And if you, not you, Corey, but you listening, uh, have BPD. Uh, don't be afraid to talk about it. Seek help if you don't already have help. Um, help is out there. You know, it, it is. Get, yep. You know, it's 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 part of who you are, and people will accept you, whether you think they won't or not. They will. Um, yep. At least the ones that are meant to be in your life, they certainly will. I don't want to marginalize what we're talking about with BPD, but I will say this just in general. That's just a general life thing that people need to understand is that people will accept you for who you are, regardless of having like, I mean, you know, you could have blue hair because that's your choice. People will either choose to accept you or not. That's their choice. And you know what? You get to make a choice too. Is like you can either spend your energy with that person or not. Right. Yeah, it's a choice. It's it's a choice. We that's the great thing about life is you have choices. Yeah. Don't spend your time on. Don't spend your energy and your time. Um, I've said this in the past. Time is your most valuable asset. You are born with a ticking clock, and nobody knows how much time you have in your bank. Right. Spend it wisely. Truly, spend it wisely. Uh, because you can't get it back and you never know when your time is up mm -hmm. so, so enjoy it while we're here yeah agreed so Corey, thanks for being on again um, please remind everybody because they should be following you but i have picked up a whole but it's really weird like so i took a three week three or four weeks off to recenter and and awesome. um well you know that because i shared that with you yeah. People don't know that I share that. Because, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and I were talking about when, you know, I would have you back on and, and I was like, nah, I'm taking a break. Gotcha. Um, so everybody else now knows that I'm taking a break, but I gained a bunch more listeners while I was on break, which is awesome. So okay. tell the new people how they can follow you and find you. So you can find me on Instagram at Corey.exploring. That's K O R E Y. Yes. I spell it a little different dot exploring just as it sounds. And I also have a uh, creative account where David actually originally found me called Explored Perspective. That's explored.perspective. And I just post a bunch of my travels and pictures and creativity and just have a little fun with that. So yeah, if you want to follow those, say what's up, I'll give you a follow back. And yeah, just love chatting. If you want to chat uh, bipolar or photography, I'm all ears, guys. Or uh, extreme... 
athleticism, obstacle courses, Spartan races. Um, don't you do something else too? Like there's another race you do, don't you? Uh, no, that pretty much covers obstacle course racing in general. There's so many different names for it, yeah. that, you know, labels you can give it, but I like to run on crazy terrain and climb obstacles. That's, it's definitely a good time. So are we ever going to see you on American Ninja Warrior? <laughs> oh man, I hope they listen to this. No, um, I, I hope I've definitely put in some videos in the past, um, but I definitely haven't shared stuff like this yet for them. So it's something that is not necessarily hard for me to talk about as you sort of learned in this conversation, but it's an interesting uh, thing for them to have on the show, if you will. So I don't think it quite speaks towards their message yet. Yeah, but it does though, because if I may be so bold to everybody at the network that makes this show, um, Corey, you've expressed that through exercise, it helps you with with yeah, it does. Yep. yep. And it helps you. I believe you said, the, did you use the word regulate? I don't know what we're, I, I'm going back to like our if previous. If I didn't, it's definitely the word for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I want to say, well, actually that might be my, the word I associated it to our talk. Cause this goes back to the first episode you were on. Right. Right. I started talking about that. You mentioned that this exercise helps you regulate or you, you might've used a different word, but um, the BPD and helps you with it. So why wouldn't that be part of the message? They have had several other contestants that have used exercise as a means to regulate something else or as a, as a way to self-identify or as a way to find themselves or fill in the blank. It's totally in their wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, talking to you about it, like, makes me excited to, like, want to put together another video. It's, I think, just one of those things of I want to make sure I present myself in the right light. Like, I'm not self-victimizing myself to try to be on a show to get clout, which is, like, it's tough, right? When you see some of those audition videos, you're like, ah, like, ah, like, you, you function pretty well for that disease you have. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's people way less off that they probably could have had on the show, but chose a specific person to represent that essentially like illness or ailment, uh, you know? So it's just, it's different. I have a different perspective having a, a buddy that regularly competes every year. And I, I went to the taping this last year in Cincinnati and it's very intimidating. I'll put it that way. No, I can see how it would be intimidating, but I think you could do it. Um, I and also that. like, I mean, the one, I mean, there's a few, but the one guy I think I remember is alopecia guy. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Kevin the Bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah, Kevin the Bull. He is a cool dude. Yep. Um, but it's it's not like, you know, the alopecia thing isn't, it's part of him, but it doesn't define him. And I think that's what what you're saying. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that we're talking about two completely different things, but I'm just saying, um, I think your video would be, inspirational and that's really after all what we're talking about i mean the people that do american ninja warrior are all inspirational people i mean look at jesse um yeah, look, she's much, amazing. look at how much she's inspired just in young women yeah i mean she's phenomenal yeah can i can i plug some ohio ninjas really quickly Heck to the yeah, plug away. You know what? Uh, I had the opportunity to hang out with uh, her name is Michelle Warnke 
from uh, Columbus, Ohio. She actually competed at NORAM. And I know her through my ninja buddies that I train with as part of my Cleveland Obstacle Course Racing Alliance, uh, Amy Padgett, which is, she's just amazing. She's a, a veterinarian who also happens to do Ninja Warrior. Mm -hmm. And my buddy Logan Broadbent, who actually this yesterday just won the United States National Boomerang Competition. So he is the uh, best boomeranger in the United States who also happens to do Ninja. And these people are so freaking inspiring, man. Like, even just in me talking about them, I'm getting passionate because they all do things other than Ninja and still find the time to fill other people's buckets. I love that. So big kudos to Logan, Amy, Michelle Warnke. You guys are just all next level people. And I really appreciate knowing and sharing energy with individuals like that. Well, when I post this on social media, feel free to tag them. Oh, for sure. I appreciate it. And I want to thank them for being uh, inspirational people as well. Um, I don't know those names firsthand. Uh, I haven't watched the show in a couple seasons um candidly either if i <laughs> yeah my my son is the one that was really really into it and he's into obstacle courses and stuff too and he's awesome. playing now. so uh once he went to college you know i mean i i i watched tv with my kids so i could spend time with them we could talk about it i mean it started early with cartoons although i'm not gonna lie I love yeah. cartoons. that's but, still how i bond with my father yeah so now, you know, when they come home, we don't actually, well, we don't really watch TV. We go do stuff, but uh, like I would, we just went kayaking and stuff like that. Anyway, so Corey and uh, all the other, the, you know, Corey, future ninja, you guys will see him on TV soon because uh, he's going to make another video and it's going to be awesome. And I love um, your belief in me. I really appreciate it. I don't see how it couldn't be. I mean, come on. I appreciate that, David, big time, man. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so thanks, Corey, for being on. And everybody, thanks for joining us on this journey. Uh, you can reach me now again at, uh, if you want to leave me a voicemail, you can use the Anchor app or uh, to leave me a voice message. Uh, if you're listening on Anchor, if you're listening on another uh, media, whatever they're called, platform, I don't know, fill in the blank. Um, my email is pirpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave me a voice message at country code one for all of my international listeners, uh, area code 585 210 That is a voicemail box that I've set up. You can leave me a message. Uh, if you're going to use any message media, I reserve the right to use it in a show. So just know that. Um, although I'm highly respectful, if you're like, please, God, no, don't do that. 99.999% of the time, I will respect your wishes. Unless, of course, I feel like you're, um, you know, being misogynistic or racist or whatever. And I might use an example or I might want to reach out to you and talk to you and see why you think that way. Right. That could be your argument episode. Ah, seriously, you know, or just actually I truth be told i would never have an argument episode because i really want to understand why somebody believes the way they believe right. it would really just be an hour of me doing what i do questioning and learning <laughs> right i and might say it, just getting more mad at you because you're actually curious i am curious i mean i might say a few counterpoints but only to 
further or just understand. But I, I honestly, I truly wouldn't actually argue with somebody or even right. debate. I would just, I would, I would ask a ton of questions. So on that note, thank you everybody for listening. Contact me. If you want to be a guest, don't be afraid. Um, I don't bite uh, mostly because we're on zoom and I'm not in person. Uh, even though if we were in person, I promise I still wouldn't bite. Um, it's not a scary experience. Is it Corey? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> this is fun, man. All right. Uh, again, thanks all for listening and talk to you next episode.